This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot is. Is this the tagger? The neutral zone. Oh, oh my God. This is as good as it gets. Now, here's your host, two-time Paralympian, Rock Richardson. What's going on? It's time for another edition of The Neutral Zone. I am indeed your host, Brock Richardson. And first things first, I want to send a big thank you to anyone that listens to this show for the calls, the texts, the social media support about my uh, recent health challenges. I will tell you that I am getting better, but that asthma mm, never seems to totally relinquish itself. So, who knows, you might get a cough here and there. But I'm pretty quick on the uh, mute button, so sit back, relax, and enjoy another edition of The Neutral Zone. Today we release another uh, Paralympic Summit interview. This time we're going to speak with Canadian wheelchair basketball athlete Blake Muttware. Also, we bring you up to speed on the Para Ice Hockey World Championships, and we're going to discuss Toronto Blue Jays reliever Anthony Bass, who had some recent homophobic Instagram post, which we all have a lot to say. So stay tuned for all that, and you never know what else happens on any given edition of the Neutral Zone. With that, let's get into our headlines for this week. Neutral Zone Headlines. headlines. Former Calgary Flames general manager Brad Treliving will become the 18th general manager in Toronto Maple Leafs history. Brad has made it to the playoffs only twice in his career, has yet to win the Stanley Cup, but seems to be the best person for the job here. We'll wait and see. He's got a lot of things on his plate, but hopefully he is able to make the Maple Leafs a stronger team in the future. We shall see what happens. Congratulations to the Quebec Ramparts for winning the 2023 Memorial Cup. They were victorious over the Seattle Thunderbirds 5-0. Listen, this was a complete dominant performance from top to bottom from uh, Quebec and the Ramparts. It was just a wonderful event. They led their league with uh, 100 and. 55 goals against this year and over 300 scored on their opponents. They were just simply better and they proved it this year in Canadian hockey. So congratulations to them. Another one-sided final game happened yesterday in the World Para Ice Hockey World Championships where the United States took their third championship in a row over the uh, Canadians 6-1. And Czechia landed their very first medal at the tournament. Congratulations to all the teams. Former Toronto Raptor head coach Nick Nurse has a new home. He will now coach the the Philadelphia 76ers. That's a tongue twister today. I, for one, am glad to see that Nick has landed somewhere in the league. A little disappointed that he's landed in the same division as his former team. But... We will see what he can do with the 76ers. Those are your headlines for this week. And as is classic uh, neutral zone fashion, that headline that Josh uh, read 
is one that came out literally as soon as we pushed the stop recording on last week's episode, so we thought we would throw it in on this week's episode. For this week's uh, chat discussion, I thought we would put sort of a bow on the uh, World Championships. I will say this, I am very, very happy for Jackie, other goaltender was unbelievable, well-deserved bronze medal, and the United States, what can you say? Uh, Well-deserved gold medal, and Canada seems like the same old, same old. I will tell you this, six uh, power play opportunities for Team Canada. Uh, The best they could show for these six opportunities was to... Uh, shorthanded goals for the United States. So not a very good output uh, for Team Canada. Uh, Guys, uh, what say you? What are your thoughts? Let's spend a little bit of time on this. Josh, start with you. Well, I mean, what can you really say? The Canadian team dominated where they were supposed to dominate. But when it comes to the Americans and, and even Czechia, they were... I would say average at best. I mean, I I think Czechia gave them more of a scare than they expected, even though they still won that game. But when it comes to the Americans, the Americans are just simply better right now. I don't know if it's the makeup of the American team. I don't know if it's strategy on the part of Team Canada. It's just there, there seems to be some pretty glaring issues. And I for one, I'm not sure how you correct this, at least not anytime soon. I mean, how do you give up two shorthanded goals when you're supposed to be on a power play? Like, keep keep better possession of the puck. Like, it's a power play. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm very confused. I'm very perplexed. I, I don't know how we proceed from this. Yeah, I think that... Um... Yeah, their power play just is not as good as it needs to be. And uh, they're not very defensive-minded, I think, at this point. Uh, They they started off the gold medal game really well and really clogging up the middle and and actually had a couple really good chances uh, to score. Uh, One hit the post and, and threw the U.S. goalie completely off. And... Uh, one of the broadcasters, I think, touched on uh, where those gaps lie. And it's it's at the rec level and at the development level where the United States players are constantly playing with high-level teams outside of their Paralympic squad. And I know here in Ontario that there's this back and forth of do we let the pair hockey guys play in certain tournaments? And can they be here and there? And it's, it's a constant back and forth. And I think that needs to be set in stone of giving these guys more opportunity to, yes, play on different teams uh, aside from the Paralympic squad, but play high competitive games like they would in the A division. And it's, I think it's just a lack of resources that they're being able to tap into and just more ice time makes you better and I think that's where the gap is and it's uh I remember last world championships we were talking about Czechia and that they were the most physical team in the tournament and again they came out being the most physical team 
in in the uh, in the entire tournament yet again, and and it and it put Canada on their toes for a minute there. Like that was a that was a game that really could have turned the entire tournament around if if Czechia took that one. The thing I'll say about this is, <clears throat> I was always made to understand that one of the reasons these guys, <clears throat> excuse me, were unable to um uh play at different uh, tournaments was to save injury. That was one of the reasons. And I want to reiterate that. For me, we have to look beyond the reasons of saving injury. We, as a nation, are nowhere even close to what the United States is. We are, we are so far apart from what we've seen that we need to stop protecting these individuals to the point that it's like, oh, we can't do this event because of this, because of travel, because we don't want to, you know, overwork the national team. Well, you could say that if there was results uh, penetrating from that. There isn't results uh, penetrating from that. And some of that is the fact that you just have to tip your cap and say, you know, uh, Team USA does what they do and they're funded, and their sledges are funded, and etc. All that's true. But I just think we need to move past this idea of, I don't want to say what's in my head, but I have to. I, I don't, we need to move past the babying of the national team. We, we have to say, you have to prove results, and in order to earn rest, you need to, you need to, you know, put better effort out there, Claire. And to me, that seems to be a real glaring obvious thing yeah i you see it in the nhl playoffs every year it's the teams that get as far as they do is because they're sacrificing their bodies they're putting it all on the ice and they're sacrificing their body and risk of injury and sometimes mostly playing with injuries to reach that final spot and it's like you said, I think that we need to stop kind of cradling these guys and and shift how sledge hockey is played in Canada. And I can only speak from being an athlete here in Ontario. And I currently play in the B division. And if you if you stack and have a requirement of okay, we're going to put the national guys back in the A division, okay, then the other players surrounding them have to make a decision of am I at this level or do I need to go play in the B division because the B division is lacking players as well. So I think having these guys back on the ice will make them better, make the next generation better and make the other divisions outside of the A division better because it's going to level out with better athletes across all divisions. Josh, final comment? I think one of the things we noticed yesterday in some of the play and the ways that goals were being scored is that there's either a lack of teamwork, a lack of communication, or just a lack of time together that is preventing the this team from su- succeeding. And realistically, that has to change, whether that's bringing back an A division whether that is putting more into grassroots hockey to develop newer athletes. I I don't know what the answer is, 
but it just it doesn't look like they're playing as a team it doesn't look like they're they're talking to one another to to prevent some of what's gone on and i mean personally what i would have liked to have seen in that game last night was for some of the younger players some of the less experienced players to get some more ice time considering that the the game unfortunately did get out of reach and we didn't see that we saw the same group of people on the ice for most of that game and they kept getting caught yeah i was hoping the same thing absolutely that they would tap in and and give those guys at least some ice time to get to get used to it and fill those gaps but it didn't happen it feels like we're beating a dead horse or they are beating a dead horse in that you need to understand that at times you have to throw in the towel you have to give the experience to the people that haven't got it and unless they get it how are they going to improve all those things for me what bothers me and this is where i'll leave this conversation and then we'll move on what bothers me is when you look at this uh, A division idea or or saying to them, you guys got to play in this tournament. The problem is they're still playing as individuals. What I see is I see the necessary need to play as a team. When I played with the Paralympics or any kind of, you know, getting ready for world championship, we went to the smaller events and played as Team Canada. I'm not sure that's entirely possible in para-ice hockey, but it is something that we need to look at and we need to say, because it's one thing to say, oh, let's spread the national team out into the A division and, and let them go and let them be and whatever. It's another to say, we need the team building. You can all build your skills as individuals, but unless you have the team, these are the results you're going to continue to get. And there needs to be fundamental change in not only what happens as the national program, but what happens as the national program in the other levels beyond the national team, because the results we're seeing now are not good enough. If you like our conversation or anything else we have on the program and you want to get a hold of us by uh, social media, here's how you can do it. And welcome back to the Neutral Zone AMI broadcast booth. And we are set to get this ball game underway. The first pitch brought to you by Brock Richardson's Twitter account at NeutralZoneBR. First pitch, strike. And hey, gang, why not strike up a Twitter chat with Claire Buchanan for the Neutral Zone? Find her at NeutralZoneCB. And there's a swing and a chopper out to second base. Right at Claire, she picks up the ball, throws it over to first base for a routine out. And fans, there is nothing routine about connecting with Cam and Josh from the Neutral Zone. At Neutral Zone, Cam J and at J Watson 200. Now that's a winning combination. And this Oregon interlude is brought to you by AMI-audio on Twitter. Get in touch with the Neutral Zone. Type in at AMI-audio. I uh, misspoke and said uh, Blake earlier when telling you that we were going to uh, release another interview. I am... Happy to report that we are going to be speaking with Blaze Muttwer from the national team who has made the national team for the uh, upcoming world championships uh, later this week as we record this. And so this is the next event on our Paris sports calendar and we will keep you apprised of what goes on in this event. But as I mentioned, I sat down with Blaze Muttwer at the Canadian Paralympic Committee Summit 
Here is the interview. We hope you enjoy. So, Blaze, you were uh, born outside of Canada, and you've lived in different places. Um, can you talk about life in different places outside of Canada? Uh, yeah, I lived. Uh, I was born in Rwanda. I lived in. I grew up and lived in Zimbabwe, Namibia, and South Africa. And uh, um, growing up for me as a 90s kid uh, and early 2000s, uh, life was pretty much outdoors. There wasn't as much technology. Uh, so um, life for me as a kid was just growing up, playing outside, playing with friends, um, and just being active. Yeah, it's always uh, good to be active for sure. Um, you mentioned to me before we went uh, to record this, that you're hoping to bring para-sports and wheelchair basketball outside of Canada and do some teaching. Can you just talk a little bit broadly about that? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to... I've never been to Africa uh, since like, since coming to, uh, to Canada, and uh, I think uh, having an opportunity to go there and uh, maybe like teach... Uh, uh, kids that are in uh, similar situations that I am uh, about wheelchair basketball or just para sport in general, uh, I think that can open up eyes and open up doors for a lot of uh, kids like me uh, that can uh, find uh, success. Uh, you know, uh, me growing up as an African kid, I didn't think I was uh, gonna uh, uh, end up in the Paralympics of all places. Uh, so I think it's inspiring, and I want to be able to inspire. Uh, people of all walks of life. It's easy to, you know, stay in our own lanes and, you know, play wheelchair basketball in Canada. Why is it so important to you to bring parasport beyond the walls of our wonderful nation that is Canada? Um, I think it's important just be able to grow. Like it's a way to grow the sport, bring awareness to the sport, to sport, uh, to parasport, and. Uh, um, like I said, like they, there might be kids that, uh, for me personally, I never knew anything about parasport uh, prior to my injury, and uh, I think it just opens up a, a world for people. Like, uh, and that way can uh, help with inclus inclusivity uh, and uh, just having uh, everybody uh, find love through a sport that they find interesting and make uh, friends and open up opportunities as well. So. I recently went down to the uh, Parapan Am Center. Um, we interviewed your teammate, uh, Patrick Anderson, on our program, and I then found out that they were doing, you guys were doing a, a mini series against uh, Japan. I went down and I took uh, my attendant and uh, her son to the games, who really had never been exposed to wheelchair basketball beyond just being there and doing it. Obviously, the result from a standings point of view didn't really mean much other than in the internal walls to right, see right. where you guys sort of stood. You guys uh, played, quite frankly, dominantly against Japan. And, and what did that do for you guys as a program to help push it forward? 
I think it really uh, uh, showed that we we, can, we we knew how to win, um, and uh, a lot of the times uh, we didn't even play a full national team lineup. We played a lot of our development team guys, uh, and we still were able to come out on top. So I think it helped us uh, understand that Canada uh, uh, is kind of just starting to blossom, and uh, the sky is the limit for a, a group of young guys that are just now starting to make the national team as uh, the, the dominant uh, Canada basketball team from the early 2000s. A lot of them have, have either retired. Uh, I think Pat, Patrick Anderson and a, a couple other players uh, are the only ones left from, from the gold medal uh, 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 team. Um, so I think it helps us uh, see where we are in the future and uh, could really encourage uh, some of the younger guys to really step up. What does the development team mean to you personally? Why is it important to have a development team? Obviously, because people are going to retire. But can you speak a little bit to the importance of the development team beyond what we just said there? Right. No, they're very important uh, just because uh, even even if they're not pushing anybody out for retirement, they are making everybody else better as a, a we want to make sure that the pool of players we have in Canada is a really strong pool, uh, and that in turn can, like, we can have an internal competition that's only going to build us up. And uh, if our internal competition is as, is as strong as our external competition, we can be uh, unstoppable and become and become another dynasty. Is there almost a mentorship program? Uh, between your your development program and the national team like are there guys when you see them and you say you're gonna be someone without boosting their ego so much that they you know can't get their head through the door but is there a point where you just kind of turn to somebody and say stick with this because you are a good wheelchair basketball player oh there's plenty of instances i think i was i was uh, on the other end uh, at the end of that uh, i was a uh, part of the development development program for four or five years trying to make the national team uh, and uh, we want to encourage that we want to encourage uh, young talent uh, to be able to stick with it and understand that uh, it's a sport that takes experience um, and practice and um, you only you're only going to get better from there and uh, the payout uh, if it's already not great it could be even greater um, so we want to push, like, there is a lot of mentorship, uh, individual mentorship, uh, especially if uh, someone resonates with a younger player. And so you were on the program for four to five years. Was there ever a moment where you felt, I may not crack this roster? And if so, how did you, you reconcile with that in your mind when you went through those phases, if at all? Um... I think there were times when I did feel, especially each year uh, prior to the tryouts and when I didn't make it, I was very discouraged, yes. Um, but I think what kept me going and keep uh, cracking at it for me personally was the love for the sport. Um, I would have been doing the sport uh, like for, 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 I guess, uh, for any team and uh, um, or played it at any level. So I, for me, it was just the, the, the game was fun. Uh, it was always challenging. And I wanted to be able to represent my team, uh, represent Canada. Um, but I also want to make sure that Canada was a successful. I didn't want to just be on the team. 
just to be on the team. I want to make sure I'm able to make Canada successful. And uh, whether that's me as a development player pushing uh, some of the guys on the team um, to help them prepare for competitions. Or, yeah, I just wanted to really help the team. And I love the game that much that uh, it didn't matter if I made the team or not. Um, I just enjoy playing it. Um, wheelchair basketball is one of those sports that in the para-sport world is blessed to be well-funded. And it's due to the fact that the success can you speak to the importance of funding and what that's done for the organization as a whole? Yeah, funding is like one of the key important uh, uh, roles in uh, what we do uh, is just uh, to be able to be successful. Um, uh, it takes a lot of pressure um, from, uh, from other things, from folk like either food, like nutrition, uh, or even like living conditions and stuff like that. Uh, have uh, uh, offset costs from uh, equipment um, that can be really expensive uh, playing in uh, a high-level sport. Uh, you can go through equipment pretty quickly. Uh, so funding has uh, really helped uh, it helped me personally be able to elevate my game. Uh, as I didn't, as I got better, uh, my funding didn't start kicking in until later in my career, and uh, uh, that's when I was able to get that boost from the funding to be able to put more focus on my uh, craft and um, finally make the team and be more serious, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, serious about like what you're doing and um, more deliberate, as, as I should say. When you look back on your career and it's over, what's the legacy that Blaze wants to leave with Wheelchair Basketball Canada and Parasports as a whole? I want to be able to make an impact. Uh, I don't think I, that's a great question because I don't think I got that question before and have really thought about it, but I know when I first started, I didn't really have a scope of what my career would look like at all. But now that I'm nearing a decade of playing wheelchair basketball, um, I want to be able to, to, to leave something behind uh, and uh, uh, accomplish uh, something for Canada, accomplish something for everywhere I play at the University of Arizona, or even like if I decide to play pro uh, in Europe, I want to be able to inspire uh, the next generation and uh, be able to have uh, young players pick my brain um, and really just grow the sport. I want to be able to be one of the pioneers um, that's able to take the sport to the next level. Somebody is listening to this interview on any of the platforms that it's going to be broadcasted on, and they say, I want to get involved in parasports, but I don't know where to do it. I don't know if I want to. I don't know what sport to try. What would you say to the person that really wants to, but doesn't know where to start? I mean, the easy way to start is if you can find a way to contact me, I can probably help out uh, figure out like where you can, uh, like what direction you want to go. But if, aside from that, like checking local, uh, local, uh, like checking, like checking the website for the local gyms, uh, or even uh, uh, just local, even athletes. Uh, uh, sometimes reach out to them; they're willing to help. Um, yeah, for me personally, you can reach out to me, and I, and I can try. I can get the general. I can help you direct in a general direction. That can help. Because uh, for me, I didn't know about parasport uh, aside from my injury. So, um, yeah, I think just being able to ask and uh, um, and 
uh, check, check local local gyms uh, and uh, or local sports programs uh, that that are that play, that have para sports. Where do you see there being a level of growth in the Canadian Paralympic Committee, and what have they done really well? Level of growth, I think, just being able to find ways to uh, bring exposure to para sports, uh, and uh, what they've done really well is the para tough cup uh, stuff that they've done. Uh, I think that's a great way to get organization and potential fundraisers to be able to help build a sport, build a sport they they, they tried. Uh, and in turn, I guess kind of everything will come full circle as more people see the sport, more people want to try the sport. And I think, I think the emphasis on trying, because uh, a lot of people will see a sport and be like, eh, but maybe it's not for me. But um, I think just trying it uh, can open up a, a whole new world, and it's fun for all all ages and uh, and uh, and all groups of, of, of different sizes. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to do this interview. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was Blaze Mudware, who is a Canadian national team member for wheelchair basketball. I sat down with him at the recent Canadian Paralympic Committee Summit, and we wish him nothing but the best at the upcoming World Championships, which, again, we will discuss next week and beyond as the results come in. If you like what you've heard, Please don't hesitate to reach out to us by phone. Here's how you can get a hold of us by voicemail. If you want to leave a message for the Neutral Zone, call now. 1-866-509-4545. And don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air. Let's get ready to leave a voicemail. One of the cool things we've gotten to do recently is uh, name the episode and this week's episode is I'll take anyone to the rack and the reason I named this episode what I did was because after the interview with Blaze he said quote I'm so passionate about wheelchair basketball I don't care who it is I'll take anyone to the rack and he wheeled away and laughed hysterically and said, good interview, we really enjoyed it. And so, for me, that's the thing that stuck out to his interview, beyond the content in which you just saw. But that is why the episode is called, I'll Take Anyone to the Rack. Um, this month marks uh, Pride Month, and it also marks... Uh, Pride weekend, uh, this upcoming weekend for the Toronto Blue Jays. So June 9th and 10th is the upcoming uh, Pride weekend, and they're going to be giving away uh, lots of giveaways. It's uh, some kind of cool cape that they're giving away that represents uh, Pride. Personally, my favorite giveaway that they've ever done is the... uh, Pride hat with the uh, CN Tower skyline uh, that um, they did underneath the bill of the hat. Uh, The Blue Jays logo was in the Pride colors, and it was really good. This was a number of years ago. I always think they do kind of cool initiatives. Uh, Something that isn't so cool, if we can uh, put it that way, is recently... 
it was reported that Toronto Blue Jays relief pitcher Anthony Bass had homophobic Instagram posts. He apologized for this later to both his teammates and management. He is expected to fully participate in Pride Weekend with nothing more from the team and he will not suffer any discipline. Now, this isn't a league decision. This is a team decision that he will not suffer any consequences. He was recently uh, booed in a home uh, appearance that he made last week, and I thought that this was a great conversation to have here on the program, and um, Claire Buchanan is a member of the community, and I just thought we should kick the conversation off with Claire. Claire, what say you on this whole situation? Um, I I want to start off by saying that I I approach situations where I'm faced with um, either experiencing homophobia uh, directly to myself or or just kind of hearing it in conversations. Uh, there's never a quote unquote consequence that kind of gets put out there. It's it's more of a opportunity for education and understanding because I've learned that uh, hate comes from ignorance and ignorance is a lack of education. And so, yes, uh, we want to kind of jump on uh, these situations and, and lay down consequences and say, no, like you, you need to do this to kind of uh, um, get back on the sa- on the right page. And I think that the actions that we've seen both him take and the team take in this situation is that they're giving him an opportunity to educate himself and to learn. And yes, there isn't any out baseball players right now, um, but they're in the locker room. They're there. They exist. And maybe those teammates that he has around him are having those conversations with him. And I saw a quote from the organization, You Can Play. Uh, They reached out to the uh, the Toronto Blue Jays and they worked directly with them, um, not just in this situation, but um, continuously throughout the year of of making sure that these conversations are, are happening. And it's the silly part of this whole situation is that he, a, a grown man, used social media to kind of spread hate. And one, being a professional athlete, I think you should have a little more uh, maturity when handling social media. And you, you have to know that what you put out there is, is going to get reactions, whether it's good or bad. And, uh, I think he felt his consequence when an entire stadium uh, booed him at home on the mound. So it's it's in those moments where he's going to go, oh, man, OK, I get it. You know what I mean? And that's that's all the community is looking for is we're not out here to say, hey, like, no, like you should be banned from this and blah, 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 because that's what we experience is kind of being shut out of places. So we don't want to push anyone out of out of their their comfort zones and and stuff like that and 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 not give them an opportunity to grow 
and to educate themselves because down down the line they're going to have someone in their lives that does the same thing and now they can have a conversation with them and say hey you know what i went through something similar and this is this is how i i tackled it josh the part of this that is most troubling for me as someone who considers themselves an ally is a phrase that he used during his statement, which if it's all right, I'll just read very quickly. Yes, please. He said, I recognize yesterday I made a post that was hurtful to the pride community, which includes friends of mine and close family members of mine. Let that sink in for a second. If you have close friends and family members who are part of this community, how are you even going down this road in the first place? And then to even sit there, give this rather contrite, rather curt apology statement, which I don't think he wrote, quite frankly, and then say... I'm not taking any questions and walk away. Y'all are bigger people than me if if you accept that apology because I think that's crap. I think that is total crap. Well, I yeah. I I agree with you and it those words are crap until they are matched with actions and I I say this to a lot of of people in my life that your words have to match your actions. You, If you're going to say you're going to do something and you are saying you're going to put the effort into growing and getting better, do it. Show it, prove it, and if at the end of the day that doesn't happen, then your words mean nothing. So I, I hope that action, a lot of action, gets uh, followed up by this... Uh, very minimal quote. I agree, Josh. Very minimal. I just think that it's great that you're going to make use of the resources that the Blue Jays have at your disposal. That's that's wonderful. But we, we are now never going to know whether you actually do. We are not going to know if you've followed up and done what you've said you're going to do. And that, for me, is a problem. Because... We've seen it in the NHL last season with so many Pride Nights either being canceled or seeing guys on teams saying, well, because of my Christian beliefs, I'm not going to participate in this. And yet you participate in the game after the warm-up is done and the Pride jerseys go away. So, like, what's, what's that all about? This, to me, is a very similar sort of circumstance in that you, you, you've, you've put this out there on social media, so clearly there's a part of you that believes this. But now, because it's the political thing to do, you're going to apologize and you're going to say, oh, I'm going to learn from this. But you say in your... Again, I keep going back to close friends and family members are part of this community and you still do this. Like, there's there's no apologizing from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it puts into question how close he is with these friends and family. Does he just have these people in his circle, but he's not actively being ally 
an ally for them or you know what I mean that makes me really question how close he is to these people that he's referring to so here's the thing I had two ways I I have two ways of thinking one was before Josh read the the um, you know empty statement really and the second one was um after before my response was okay claire just told me as a member of the community listen we don't want anybody to um suffer you know to be to be taken out of things because we 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 already feel that way that's fine until i hear the statement where it says my family and close friends. At this point, I look at that and I say, all right. So now you can't play the ignorant game of I don't know anybody because you made this this statement that was ridiculous in my opinion and you outlined friends and family. I, I just, we're in 2023, guys. This is... This is not acceptable. This is just simply not. And uh, what I want to ask both of you, starting with Claire, is we saw him get booed at home in a game, as I mentioned last week. At what point does it become too much? Would you accept him to be booed uh, during Pride Weekend? Uh, But then again, if he got booed in you know, late July over this, is there a point at which, as as you being who you are, is there a point at which <clears throat> this is too far and we we think, okay, this has gone too far and this is too much? Can you weigh in on that for me, please? I mean, I hope, I hope that the booze don't continue. I just, I don't, I don't like the way that... I don't know. I just don't like it. I I don't think like you you voiced your your uh the way, like the fans voiced how they felt about it and yes, every right to be angry. I am very interested to see how he conducts himself uh through this weekend. He has an opportunity to kind of get back into the spotlight in the right way and and show that he is putting in the time and and the energy to become an ally uh, because, I mean, he said it himself that he has people around him that are from that community. So what what are you doing to say, hey, I made a mistake. Uh, my my heart is in the right place and I, I'm, I'm trying to uh, go about this the right way. And yeah, I think he just has a big opportunity this weekend to kind of turn the tables around and, and kind of uh, get on the better side of this. But um, yeah, I, I agree with you that across all sports where this has been an issue that there does need to be some sort of uh, just basic. See, I don't I hate saying the word consequence, but it is it, it's a consequence of of not involving yourself in something like that and being able to play a game after it's or or being able to pitch a game after it's yes i i I really feel that there needs to be some sort of standard in that in that concept but um i don't know i 
it's it sucks that this is still happening right now and yeah it's it's hard to see and it's uh it's one of those things that us as a community we just kind of we like we don't look at the comment sections of stuff like that during pride because we know it's there um and it's just something that we we don't need to be a part of um it's those people need to have conversations and do the work themselves it's not it's not it's not up to the community um it's it's on these people to say hey i want to do better and how can i it's not a community problem it is an individual problem and it's not fair josh to put this on the community and say this i'm i'm a little bit in fact i'm a lot disappointed in the fact that after that statement the team still stands by there's no consequence here we stand by our athlete because if i'm part of the organization after that line of my 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 friends and family members okay then then you deserve some sort of consequence that goes beyond an audience booing you or saying or whatever to me there just deserves to be more of a consequence and i'm a little disappointed in the toronto blue jays as an organization as a whole whether it's a good consequence or a bad consequence now i don't know if either of you have noticed this but the other night when he came in they did mention that he had not pitched in a couple of days i wonder if that was sort of John Schneider saying to him in the office, okay, look, you screwed up. You're not going to pitch for a couple of days. When you do, be prepared for what you're going to get. And I think, I, I think the booing was only to make him aware of the fact that people are not happy. I think now that they've had their chance to boo him, that part will be water under the bridge. My argument to that is, okay, John, if you did pull Anthony Bass aside and say, this is what we're going to do, then say that as an organization. Say, <laughs> we're not going to allow him to pitch. We're not going to allow him to do this or that. Don't say that there'll be no consequences associated with this. Stand by your guns. If you've taken him in the office and said, we're not going to allow you to do that, say that as opposed to, letting him off the hook, quote-unquote, and not doing anything. Because if that is the action, that's fine, I'm good with it. But you said in a statement, he's not going to suffer any consequences. And that, to me, is where that's the problem, Claire. Yeah, you're you're right. Uh, that comment uh, from Schneider uh, really puts it into light. And it's it sent a message that, hey... Like, yeah, we do care about this, but it's fine. Whatever. You know what I mean? It felt very, it, it lightened the situation too much uh, with a comment like that. And I, on the other side of that, I, I question how much we are entitled to um, with, in terms of what goes on behind the cameras and what, what information the fans and media are uh, kind of delegated to because I mean there is things that happen in the clubhouse or or in the offices of any sport uh, that 
that we don't know about. And there are things that we just, we don't know the inner workings of, of what's going on back there and, and what those conversations are. And if, if the consequence that he had was not pitching for a couple of days, how, how much of that information are we entitled to? And how much of it is kind of a, we're going to handle this privately as a team. Even if that's the case, even if you're going to handle it privately, you owe it to that community, the pride community, to acknowledge something. We're going to handle it privately. It's different than saying he's going to suffer no consequences. Very true. You, you, you allowed yourself as an organization the out to say we're not going to suffer the make him suffer any consequences we're you allowed as an organization simply no we're not going to do this and to me your words as we said early on in this conversation your words and actions are two very different things and their words proved otherwise their actions may have been what they may have been like we said there may have been an office conversation but we don't know that because we're not privy to what we are privy to is we're not going to do anything, and it's that simple, Josh. Yeah, it's it, it much like the apology itself. the The reaction from the club is almost as perplexing, in my opinion. Um, I wonder if there is something in the collective bargaining agreement about discipline that is maybe preventing them from saying something. But that doesn't feel appropriate either. I just... The, the whole thing is gross and... Like... I, I just don't understand where some people's heads at. I, I really don't. I've... I've known a lot of people, yourself included, Claire, and people are wonderful people. No matter, no matter what situation <laughs> yeah. they're in, no matter what their beliefs are, no matter no matter who they they love so like as soon as we can get past that this world will be a better place because Absolutely. realistically it's none of my business it's none of and my business oh, you see you said it perfectly uh it's yeah what how people's relationships with their significant others is on any level whether you're part of the queer community or not is none of anyone's business my your relationship, Josh, is none of my business. And likewise, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's absolutely. And at the end of the day, like I said earlier, the community, like we just you just want to be left alone. We just want to be left alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Leave us alone. Like there's no mm -hmm. why. I yep. just <laughs> why are you putting so much energy into hating someone that you have no idea who they are? I I don't know why we as a society feel like we need to put our fingers on other things. I mean, I'm part of the straight community. And I, I mean, I get bothered when people ask too personal of things. And this is going far beyond sports just for a second. But why? Why? Like, the, this is the real question of why are we where we are? Why? Like, I just, that's the only question that I sit here and ask is why? Like, and 
just we leave our neighbors alone leave leave communities alone too yeah it it comes down to also like why do we expect the community to educate us we're the ones that are inserting ourselves into their lives like maybe we should be the ones that try to understand them because Last time I checked, you're you're not that hard to understand. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) I am a very simple person. Yes. And this 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 spans uh, not just uh, sexual orientation, but like we can we have a whole episode on this, but like it spans uh, racial communities and 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 disability communities. There's so many marginalized communities out there that are are receiving the same kind of hate every single day, and it's just yeah. it's got to stop. Full disclosure: uh, speaking of another community, and I recognize what I'm doing with like three minutes left here. But <laughs> speaking of another community that I think can be disrespected is the parasports community because mm-hmm. we're looking in a world right now where it's like oh we put this this event over here but there was no commentary there was no this or that and it's like mm-hmm. why does that community have to be disrespected if you put on a Stanley Cup final and you said there's no audio people would be losing their minds but yet it's acceptable for the paris work community to do that like we could we could go on and on and on and on claire final thoughts here just as we wrap up oh that's uh, that's a great comment brock yes there's a big gap in the what effort gets put into parasport and how it gets uh, displayed into the media absolutely we are we we are i just teased it a little bit but we are having an entire conversation over this exact thing because you want to talk about disserviced marginalized communities that's another one that i just i'm watching things lately and it's like what are we doing and why do we think it's okay to get away with anyways to close out the program enjoy pride weekend um you know do what you want to do if you're going to the game this weekend but understand that at some point we just have to move on from Anthony Bass and say he's going to learn, we hope, and it's as simple as that. That is the end of our show for this week. I'd like to thank Claire Buchanan, Josh Watson. I'd also like to thank Marco Flalo, our technical producer. Brian Delahanty is the podcast coordinator. Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Be safe, be well. 